0: All right. So last week Jesus was arrested. We saw that he really wasn't arrested as much as he surrendered. Nobody took him. Um, He he gave himself to this mob of people, maybe six hundred Roman soldiers. Could have been a huge crowd. Some religious leaders, all led by Judas. Jesus goes with them. Peter denies knowing Jesus three times. In the courtyard of this guy's house, Annas, who's the former high priest who is interrogating Jesus. And through all of that, what we're supposed to see is that Jesus is a good shepherd. That nobody takes his life from him. He lays his life down willingly and voluntarily. And that he protects all of those that God has given to him. He doesn't lose any of the eleven. Even Peter, in the midst of his denials, is not going to be lost to relationship with Jesus. Then um, Jesus is taken to Caiaphas's house. Caiaphas is the high priest. He's the son-in-law of Annas. That's not in Matthew, that's not in John. Matthew and Mark talk about what happens at that trial. If there's an official Jewish trial, it's that. It wasn't. It was a sham as well, but the closest thing to a legitimate Jewish hearing for Jesus is at Caiaphas's house. And that's in Matthew and in Mark. John picks up the next morning. Uh, and that's what we're going to do today. We, it's, we've kind of lost track of time. So the first 11 chapters of John cover three years. Chapter 12 covers two weeks. And then chapter 13 through 19 covers 24 hours. So you get time really slows down. We've been in chapter 13 to 19 for a long time. But it, it's just one day. This is Thursday night moving into Good Friday. So it's just been a handful of days that Jesus comes in riding on a donkey. That's Palm Sunday, and everybody's thrilled, and Hosanna, and blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, and the religious leaders are concerned the whole world is going out after him. That's only been the beginning of the week. That was Sunday, and now we're early Friday morning, whenever the sun comes up, 6.30, 7, 7.30, whatever time the sun comes up, that's where John picks up this morning and and also remember this is passover week so you've got tens of thousands of extra people in Jerusalem of Jew, uh, of uh, of Jews who are there to celebrate and remember God delivering their ancestors from Egyptian slavery looking forward to God delivering them from Roman oppression so all of that swirling in there again it's easy to lose track of that because John slows everything down and really mac- really centers in on this last day, these last 24 hours of Jesus' life, we can lose the broader context. So with all that going on, we'll pick up in verse 28, chapter 18. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas, that's the high priest, remember, to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate, that is the Roman governor, came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, We would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. We have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. So, pause again. Seven, whatever time the sun comes up, let's call it seven. Seven o'clock on Good Friday, Good Friday, the Jewish leaders take Jesus from Caiaphas's house where they've already they've said he's going to die they'd already decided that earlier that was again kind of a sham trial they show up at Pilate's it's early in the morning they knock on the door they don't knock on the door but that's what we're going to say they knock on the door and Pilate groggy how you would feel if somebody came to your house at seven in the morning and opens the door and and they've got Jesus and they've got these religious leaders and and, and he's going what Why are y'all here? What do you want from me? So just to be clear, Pilate and the Jews don't like each other at all. This is not two allies trying to figure out how to take care of a common problem. This is two groups of people that don't trust each other and don't like each other, each trying to kind of use each other to accomplish their own purposes. Jesus is kind of in the middle, but the Jewish leaders don't like Pilate. Pilate does not like the Jews at all. He's in Jerusalem because he has to be. He comes for these religious festivals. It's kind of like an Airbnb for a king or a governor. He stays in temporary places during the festivals because his job is to keep the peace. You've got 50,000, 60,000 extra Jewish um, men in the city. There's all this religious fervor and excitement, and his job is to keep all of that under wraps. So he shows up for the couple of weeks around a festival to do that. So they come to his temporary residence, wherever that is, and, and he's saying, Well, what, what charge are you bringing? It would be typical for a Roman governor to not get involved unless a Roman law was broken. And they say, It's a non answer. We wouldn't be bringing Jesus to you if he hadn't done something wrong. And again, remember, they don't like each other. And so then Pilate says, Well, then you, you judge him. You got a law, you take care of it. Again, in, under this Roman government, local authorities could exercise their own rule of law up to a point. They could enforce their own laws. And they said, we can't execute anybody, which that lets you know that's what, they're, that's what they want. They want Jesus dead. We can't execute anybody. That's not necessarily totally true. In the Old Testament, they, they, there were capital crimes, but Rome said you can't do that. You can punish certain crimes, but you you can't use capital punishment. That's we, we, We're the only ones that get to do that. So they're bringing Jesus to Pilate so that he'll execute him. And then uh, John kind of gives this editorial comment. This is to fulfill the what the scripture said about how Jesus would die. So Jews killed people or executed people by stoning. Romans by crucifixion. So Jesus has said twice he's going to be lifted up. And that's kind of this picture of being hung on a cross. So all of these pieces are coming together, fulfilling what Jesus has said about his mission, and neither the Jewish leaders nor Pilate know that they're a part of this grander plan that God has been unfolding. So now Pilate goes back inside. So Pilate goes back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied, your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you've done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I I was born and came into this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth, retorted Pilate. So, Pilate's outside talking to the religious leaders. They don't want to come inside because if you come inside a Gentile's house, then you could become unclean. If you're unclean, you can't celebrate the Passover, so they couldn't eat the Passover meal. That's the next day. That's on Saturday. So, they stay outside. So, now Pilate goes inside where Jesus is, and he says, are you the king of the Jews? And we think, well, where did he get that in Luke? When the chief priests bring Jesus to Pilate, they say he's claiming to be the king of the Jews. So John doesn't tell us that. We know from Luke that was one of the charges that the chief priests brought against Jesus. And so he goes in and says, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, Who told you that? Like, Why are you asking is what he's asking. Why are you asking? And Pilate says, I don't care. I'm not a Jew. I don't care. Your people brought you to me, and they want you dead. So what did you do? And Jesus says, well, he goes back to his original question. Are you The king says, I, I have a kingdom. He's implying he's a king. Kingdoms have a king. I have a kingdom, but it's, it's from heaven. It's not rooted here on the earth. If it was, my servants would fight to keep me from being unjustly arrested. He's implying I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not here because I did anything wrong. And I'm not here because I'm a king in the way that you're thinking that I'm a king. And Pilate grabs onto that idea of a kingdom and says, you are a king then. And Jesus says, you're not listening at all. You don't understand. I told you my kingdom is not from this world. It's rooted in heaven. And the reason I came was not to necessarily to overthrow Caesar or to take over in the way that you're thinking. The reason I came was to testify to the truth. And we know in John, the truth is Jesus's identity. That runs through the whole book. Testify to the truth of who I am. And if you're interested in the truth, which you should be because you're judging right and wrong here, that's what you're supposed to be doing, then you should be on my side. And then Pilate gets defensive and says, what is truth? That's just, he's shutting the conversation down. Didn't go the way he thought it would go. So now Pilate goes back outside. With this, Pilate goes back outside to the Jews gathered there and he says, I find no basis for a charge against Jesus. But it's your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. So, Pilate, at this point, he realizes the Jewish leaders are just trying to use him. Like, he gets that. Remember, they don't like each other. They're using him. So if you're the Jewish leaders, we know all the way back in chapter 5, they've been trying to kill Jesus. Way back then, we read that they've been trying to kill Jesus. They're not technically they're not allowed to execute. That hasn't stopped them from trying to arrest Jesus and kill him in the past. But what they're doing is remember, there's thousands of religious pilgrims in the city. Jesus, just a few days before, has come into hosanna and palm branches and people saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord." They said the religious leaders, the whole world is going to him. They're trying to undermine Jesus among the public, for sure, but they also, they don't want to tick anybody off. They don't know how much public support they're going to have, and so for them, if they can get Pilate to do their dirty work, how much better? Everybody already hates him anyway, so this would just be kind of another log on the fire in terms of the way the Jews feel about Pilate, and Pilate is shrewd enough to realize they're trying to Manipulate him. They're just trying to get him to pronounce Jesus guilty, and then and have him executed. So that's on Pilate's head, and not on the head of the chief priest. And so what Pilate does is he thinks he's being really smart. Is he thinks he's going to kind of go around circumvent the Jewish leaders? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go over your head, and I'm going to appeal to the crowd. So he comes out and says, "I don't see any reason why this man should die." And y'all have this thing that we do where we let one prisoner go every year during Passover, so what about him, the king of the Jews? And he says that, I would, like I hear him saying that in a sarcastic tone. What about this one king of the Jews? And they say, no, give us Barabbas instead, which is, there's some irony there. The Jewish leaders have brought Jesus to Pilate saying, hey, he's committing treason. He's claiming to be a, a, a king, a rival of Caesar, and the one they... Release is a terrorist, someone who actually has committed treason, and he's the one that they let go. So that didn't work out. That blew up in Pilate's face. So now he goes back inside. Just picture it, back and forth, back and forth. Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on Jesus' head. They clothed him in purple, in a purple robe, and they went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they slapped him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out inside, outside. And he said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify, crucify. But Pilate answered, You take him. And crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. So Pilate's little plan there to kind of stick it to the Jews blows up in his face. They ask for Barabbas, the crowd. And for some of us, that's tricky. I thought we just said that those were the guys who were saying, Hosanna on Sunday and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. How are they so quickly now saying, keep him, crucify him? We don't know exactly a couple of reasons. Maybe one. Jesus has been arrested, and we can't overstate how uh, that arrest would affect people's perceptions. We saw it even with Peter last week. He went from ready to fight an armed uh, group of 600 soldiers with his one little sword to being afraid to even say he knows who Jesus is to a servant girl, all because Jesus had been arrested. It changes everything. The Jews are looking for a Messiah. They're looking for a warrior, someone like David a conquering hero. And when Jesus gets arrested, that all goes out the window. They're like, well, he's not chosen by God. And then they're probably angry. You've led us astray. We thought that you were the Messiah. We we're putting our hopes in you and you've disappointed us and we're disillusioned and you know kind of how that feels. And thats I think that's one of the reasons they turn on him so fast is they're like, you're not who we thought you were. And then there may be many of them even who didn't know who Jesus was. They've come in from different parts of the Mediterranean, and when they hear their chief priest saying this guy's a bad guy, they're probably like, okay, we're going to go with what our religious leaders think, and they say he's a bad guy, so we're going to vote with them. I don't know why, but they do turn. Not everybody, but a lot of them do turn, and so now Pilate's kind of caught in the middle of it, this plan that he had kind of blew up in his face, so here's his next idea. He has Jesus beaten by some soldiers, and then mocked they find some ragged piece of cloth that's purple throw it on Jesus's shoulders purple is a royal color and they make a crown of thorns and stick it on his head and that that may have hurt but the point at this point it's not about torturing him it's about humiliating him hail king of the Jews and then Pilate brings him out and you can maybe again Pilate hates them and they hate him so that's the the atmosphere, and he's saying to them, so this is the guy that y'all are worried about, him. He's the one that you think is a threat to Caesar. He, he, he's, he's a rival to the throne. Look at him. And he's beaten up, and he's got the ragged, dirty cloth on and a fake crown. And he's saying to them, like, what are y'all, here's your king. And he's picking at everybody at that point. He's picking at Jesus, and he's picking at the Jews. Here's your king. And they're yelling, crucify. We see that's what they've wanted all along. And Pilate's going, I don't see any reason to do that. The Jewish leaders insisted we have a law, and according to the law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. So there's a twist. We haven't heard that yet. It's been about him being the king of the Jews, someone who's a threat to Caesar and now we see well the issue is actually blasphemy he claims to be the son of God and according to our law and that's true in the old testament the penalty for that was stoning and so they're saying he's got to die but we can't you won't let us execute him so you've got to execute him and Pilate heard this he was even more afraid and he went back inside the palace where do you come from he asked Jesus but Jesus gave him no answer Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? He's saying, don't you know who I am? And Jesus answered, you'd have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. So Pilate gets spooked when he hears Jesus claim to be the Son of God. We don't know why. Pilate may have been superstitious. That was Maybe. You know, if you read Roman mythology, there's all kinds of kind of semi-divine people f- roaming around. And maybe he's afraid Jesus is one of those and he's going to offend a guy who's stronger than him. Maybe he's heard a few whispers about Jesus' miracles. Jesus has said, I do have a kingdom, but it's not of this world. And maybe he's wondering, oh, what, who, who am I going to cross against someone more powerful than me? In Matthew, Pilate's wife has a dream, and in the dream, she's greatly troubled, and she goes to Pilate and says, I had a dream, and it upset me. Don't have anything to do with this guy. And that happens around the time when they're saying Barabbas or Jesus, so that's already happened, and so maybe he's thinking about that too, and uh, what, what is this? My wife's having a dream. I don't know, but he gets scared. I don't think he's been scared up till now, but he's scared now. And you can hear when he goes back in and questions Jesus, to me, he's he's a bit more desperate. He's got to say, where'd you come from? Who are you? And Jesus is silent, which would be infuriating if you've ever been in that spot when you're kind of nervous and kind of scared and you're wanting to figure things out and you're not getting any information. That just heightens all of those emotions. And then Pilate, again, in my mind, he's kind of throwing a little bit of a temper tantrum like a two-year-old, don't you know who I am? I've got power to free you or crucify you, and we know that's not true. Again, there's some irony there. Jesus has already said, I'm the one that has authority to lay down my life and pick it up again. Pilate certainly doesn't look like someone who has authority. He looks like a squirrel trying to decide which side of the road. He's inside, outside, inside, outside, you know. He doesn't look like someone who's in control at all. But he thinks he is, and we know he's not. And then he goes back... uh, outside again. Oh, the greater sins. That, that's been used in bad ways. The person who's uh, handed me over is guilty of greater sins. People have used that for some anti-Semitic reasons in the past The church has. Not, anyway, most likely, G, you can pick. Jesus is referring to Judas or to Caiaphas or to Satan. You, you decide. Jesus doesn't elaborate. Judas is the one who led the group to arrest Jesus. Caiaphas is the one who pronounced Jesus guilty through this sham trial and turned him over to Pilate, and you can see Satan is behind all of that. I think any of those things are fine. Pick one. Jesus doesn't elaborate. We're all guilty, and so anyway, that, that verse has been kind of misused, if that was confusing to you. You can pick one of those three guys who is guilty of a greater sin, Judas, Caiaphas, or Satan, or take all three of them. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. Again, he's nervous. He's scared, I think. But the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. That's a technical term. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as a stone pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, Take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar. And again, an ironic statement coming from a group of Jews The chief priests answered, and finally Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So again, to me, Pilate's getting increasingly nervous, and they kind of play their trump card. If you let this guy go, you're no friend of Caesar. That's a technical term for an inner circle of people who were loyal to Caesar. They're playing on Pilate's insecurity and his narcissism. Hey, if you let him go, he's saying he's going to be the king, and what they're implying is we're going to tell your boss, and your boss, and your boss, and your boss, and your boss, that you let a guy go who's going around. He actually has a group of people following him, and he's saying he's a king, and in your job here is to stamp out that kind of thing. You're supposed to keep the peace, and you're certainly not supposed to let any of these uprisings and Rebellions and revolts foment, and we're going to let him know. We're going to let your boss and your boss's boss and your boss's boss's boss know what's going on. And that's it. That's all it takes for Pilate. However nervous he was, however scared he was about stepping on Jesus' toes or crossing him, it's all gone now because they got the, his core insecurity there about his job, and Pilate says, All right, it's done. And so he brings Jesus out again. He's trying to stick it to the Jews. Here's your king. Crucify him. And they do that. uh, Pilate hands Jesus over to be crucified. And that's where we're going to pick up um, next time. But I want you to see we're going to take communion here as we close. We've got a few minutes to do that. Um, We're not going to use those plastic cups anymore. I know you're really disappointed about that. We're going to take... Communion. You're going to come forward a row at a time, break off a piece of bread and dip it in the juice. This is gluten-free communion here. Interesting, John makes a, a note. He doesn't seem to care a whole lot about days and times, but he does. he makes a note here. It was the day before Passover, the preparation day. So that's the day that the lambs were slaughtered that would then be eaten on the Passover, which was the next day. That was considered work to slaughter an animal. So you did that on Friday. So then on Saturday, the Sabbath day, you, you could eat it. And this is one of those cases where a Sabbath day was also, a Saturday was also the day where they celebrate Passover. That wasn't always the case, but it was the case this time. So this is Good Friday the, when the Jews are slaughtering their lambs. And this isn't necessarily in the Old Testament, but there's some Jewish writing around it that says noon was the time that they did that. And John says it's about noon. So you can see all of this symbolism coming together. Jesus is the Lamb of God and he's handed over to be crucified on, at noon on the day of preparation. And you remember in Exodus, that lamb, those lambs that were slain, every family killed a lamb and they put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of their home. And when the angel of death move through the land that night. Every house that had blood on the doorpost that the angel of death passed over that house. That's why it's called Passover. The firstborn of all the Egyptians were killed and the firstborn of all the Israelites were spared. And we know Jesus at the very beginning in John's gospel. John the Baptist says about Jesus, there's a lamb of God. He takes away the sins of the world. And here at the end of his life On the day of preparation when all throughout the city Jews are slaughtering a lamb to remember what God did 1,500 years ago, whenever it was 1,000 years ago. Jesus is about to be slain. So that death again passes over everyone who applies his blood to their life. And so as we take communion this morning, do that with that in mind. Recognize all of the benefits that are available to you because of Jesus' death and resurrection. And remember, his life was not taken from him. He willingly gave it. Nobody takes his life from him, he says. He alone has authority to lay it down and to pick it back up again. And he laid it down. So that our sins could be forgiven, which means we can be adopted into God's family and we can live as sons and daughters of God. He laid it down so that our sicknesses, our diseases can be healed. He laid it down so that we could be redeemed from the pit and be crowned with love and compassion. He laid it down so that our desires for good things could be fulfilled and that He could strengthen our legs our knees, so that we can run and not grow weary. So as you take communion this morning, do so remembering this lamb who was slain for you and grab a hold of those benefits that he purchased for you. We're going to have ministry teams up here. We'll pray about uh, anything that you have going on in your life. I would uh, specifically encourage those of you who are sick, let us pray for God to bring healing to your body. This morning, If that's you, they're going to make a little cross on the outside of your hand with oil. And they're going to pray very simply for God to heal you. And we're going to trust him to do that. So you guys can stand. If you're helping with communion, if you come and take your spot. If you were on the ministry teams, if you would come and take your place as well. The rest of you all can, uh, can close your eyes and pray with me. Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son in Jesus. We thank you for being a willing gift for us, for being the Lamb who was slain to take away our sins. The one whose death pays the price for us so that we be your righteousness so that we can be reconciled to the father and so that we can enjoy all of the benefits that come from being included in your family. My prayer for the men and the women in this room this morning is that each one of us would enjoy those benefits as fully and completely as we can this side of your return. Any who are living under the kind of the shadow of guilt that they would be set free fully this morning, that they would know that in you there's no condemnation, that they don't have to walk around with their head hanging down because of something they've done in the past, that you've removed their sins from them as far as the east is from the west, that bodies that are broken and just not working right, that today you would manifest the fullness of your kingdom in those bodies, that you would bring healing to diseases and sicknesses. Those who are would say, I'm in the pit of anxiety or fear or depression or lethargy or confusion or disappointment or even grief, that they would be delivered from that pit this morning and crowned with love and compassion. Those whose hearts are longing For fill in the blank, God, that today would be the day that you would fulfill their desires with good things. And we know you're the best thing. So would you come now, Holy Spirit, and apply to every man and woman in this room all of the benefits of Jesus' death and resurrection. We ask you to do this in his name. Amen.